Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Um, given that you said bolstering the World Bank is not about countering China, in this country, credit card delinquencies have spiked, mortgage rates are through the roof, inflation remains a problem. Meanwhile, the federal deficit this year has almost tripled, and the president wants to increase uh, funding to foreign nations through the World Bank. How is that fair to citizen in, say, Scranton? Look, I think citizens in Scranton recognize that problems that happen overseas don't stay overseas. They come here, too, at great cost to working people. COVID came here from overseas. Uh, when there's massive debt or instability or conflict elsewhere, it has a drag on the global economy, and America is part of the global economy. So f- our perspective is that for a modest investment from the point of view of the overall size of the U.S. budget to put into ensuring greater stability, greater prosperity, greater capacity in the rest of the world, that is going to end up reducing the costs and burdens on working people in Scranton or Minneapolis or any of all your all's hometown. Oh, well, that's going to make the people of Scranton and Minneapolis just feel great. Listen, you can't afford your credit card debt, which has topped over $1 trillion in the United States. You can't afford to buy a new house, but don't worry. We're going to support the World Bank and eventually you'll thank us. Fantastic philosophy. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. That is the number. I have got a lot of maddening audio today. I mean, it's 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 near surreal. A lot of maddening stories. I want to try and go over everything. There was this one-two punch regarding Mitch McConnell's health. Because every honest person knows that Mitch McConnell is not well. These freezing episodes is not dehydration. I'm not saying the man wasn't dehydrated. I'm I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that dehydration is a problem. I've seen her dehydrate, sir. It's pretty gross. But when you're freezing and staring off, I'm not a doctor that's not dehydration. Rand Paul is a doctor, and he has a theory. I think it's an inadequate explanation to say this is dehydration. Well, I've practiced medicine for 25 years, and it doesn't look like dehydration to me. It looks like a focal neurologic event. That doesn't mean it's incapacitating, doesn't mean he can't serve, but it means that somebody ought to wake up and say, wow, this looks like a seizure. Now, I am not an expert on what a focal neurological event is. What I found interesting is that CNN took a look at this letter that the uh, doctor of the Senate uh, wrote. uh, Mitch McConnell's fine, fine. Does he just just needs to have a sip of water? Kentucky, a sip of bourbon. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't say a sip of bourbon. He just has to have some more water and he'll be fine. And so that was a doctor on Capitol Hill. And so they have this doctor on this doctor uh, uh, or this, this. Yeah, I think he's a doctor, Dr. Reiner. And they ask him his thoughts. Okay, so McConnell's office has attributed the episodes, their, their attribution is lightheadedness as a lingering symptom from the concussion that he suffered in that fall that he had back in March. Now, when you look at it through that lens, is that reasonable? 
No. And I'm unaccustomed to saying that I agree with Senator Paul, but I agree with, with Senator Paul. I, I take care of plenty of folks who have uh, lightheadedness, either uh, in the setting of uh, dehydration from uh, working outside in, in the you know, hot you know, D.C. summer or after uh, an illness like influenza or even COVID. And most people with lightheadedness feel lightheaded. They feel a little woozy. Maybe, maybe they feel they have to sit down. Uh, patients with lightheadedness don't present with this sort of staring off into the periphery, unable to speak for 10 to, to 30 seconds. That's very consistent with a focal seizure. Uh, it, would be, it would be really better for the senator's team to just be a little bit more, more transparent because, you know, that explanation is a, is a little laughable. I agree that the explanation is a little laughable. What I will not accept is CNN looking into and questioning the medical condition of Mitch McConnell and never once asking about Joe Biden. Who the hell do you think you are? We see you. No one's going to question whether Joe Biden's okay. No one's going to question whether Joe Biden uh, has uh, any uh, uh, mental issues. He can't remember where he is on stage. He can't remember what's happening around him. He's fine, but Mitch McConnell, oh, it's laughable what they say. You know what they say about Joe Biden's mental condition? I actually have exclusive audio of media talking about Joe Biden's uh, mental uh, acuity. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I thought. That's exactly what I thought you were going to say. I, I, if Rand Paul wants to give his thoughts, uh, I'm all ears. Not bothered by it in the slightest. I am not listening to CNN think for a second they can say to us, I don't think they're being truthful about what's going on with, with Mitch McConnell. You, you don't, you don't get to talk to us. You don't get to talk to us about who's truthful and who's not truthful? What are you, insane? You don't get to to have any part of that conversation with us. Then there is the story of House Oversight. As is being reported uh, via uh, X... The name change sucks, Elon. It just, it's just so, so incredibly, incredibly bad. I mean, miserably so. Ugh. Congressman Comer, James Comer, of course, heads up uh, the House Oversight Committee, calling on the National Archives to provide complete and unredacted documents related to the office of the vice president colluding with the Biden family and their business associates. As he describes it, this is from Oversight, December 4th, 2015. Eric Schwerin, I think that's how I pronounce his name, S-C-H-W-E-R-I-N. This is the problem with not watching cable news. I read, and sometimes I don't know how to do pronunciations, and I apologize. So uh, uh, Schwerin, longtime Biden family business associate, 
wrote to Kate Bedingfield in the office of the vice president. Remember, she's the comms director now. Before I think she might have uh, left already, but before that, she was with Biden in the vice president's office. So Eric Schwerin wrote to Kate Bedingfield, providing quotes the White House should use in response to media outreach regarding Hunter Biden's role in Burisma. Later that day, she responded. She responded by saying VP signed off on this. On this. Then, according to Devin Archer, after Burisma Board of Directors meeting in Dubai, this was December of 2015, the same day, Hunter Biden called D.C., meaning his father, to discuss pressure that Burisma asked him to relieve. So in the letter to the U.S. archivist, Comer is requesting the documents and information below regarding communications between the office of the vice president and Hunter Biden or his business associates. So unredacted versions of all documents uh, from records on their foreign business dealings, all documents or communications to or from the executive office of the president, including but not limited to the office of the vice president with Eric Schwerin, Devin Archer, and a whole host of other people. Documents and communications to or from Kate Bedingfield and a lot of people who worked inside the White House at the time in in the VP's uh, shop and all executive calendars created for then Vice President Joe Biden dating from January 20th, 2029 to January 20th, 2017. These are all good things. These are good moves and good maneuvers. Well, it's exactly what we want to see. Make the demand. Let them try and tell you no. Push the subpoena. Then get access. You create more of the story that way. If you say to me, Tony, are we really in the business of creating stories? You better believe it. How deep does the corruption go? America needs to know. And if you say to me, well, Tony, that's not the purpose of oversight. The January 6th committee hired a Hollywood showrunner to put together their primetime insanity that was never allowed to have any questioning or any rebuttal, and it's very possible they destroyed evidence as they were instead of keeping it like they were supposed to to ensure that nobody could ever question what it is that they said. That is not very American at all. Pol- uh, politicians engaging in politics? That's very American indeed. Good on Comer. Let's see more. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Could you whisper in, my ear? in China, they're going to ban use of the iPhone for government officials at work. Apple wonders if it's going to hurt their bottom line. Maybe Apple should start moving manufacturing out of China. Hurt their bottom line. I could not be more pleased. You don't use Apple? We don't use TikTok. It's just that easy. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So what China has ordered, uh, they've said officials at central government agencies cannot use the iPhone cannot use other foreign-branded devices for work or bring them into the office. Ah, that's something different. Can't use them for work, okay. Uh, but, but how am I supposed to play Royal Match?
Can't use it for that either. This is about Beijing trying to end reliance on foreign technology. Also trying to enhance cybersecurity, not knowing what is exactly on these devices. Um, there's no doubt that Apple dominates in, in the smartphone market, and specifically uh, in, in China. They're huge in China. They look to China for their growth. As the Wall Street Journal puts it, China represents 19% of the overall revenue for Apple. That is a one in five for those of you playing the home game. That's a chunk. That is a chunk. But if the, the conversation is you want to make sure that what is the information of China stays in China and you can't trust um, the, 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 the very idea of using an Apple phone, okay. Apple should know this. Apple should be paying attention to this. And Apple should act accordingly. And it's a reminder. China has no compunction in 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 making any changes. They'll do what they have to do. Compunction, a strong uneasiness. That's what a compunction is. No, they're like, no, we don't do this. No, we don't do that. I'm just saying that we need to be doing some of this. We had a very large conversation whether or not TikTok should be in the United States. And then after that conversation, uh, TikTok is still in the U.S. and we didn't do anything. I don't think that's the answer. TikTok, uh, well, you could argue all social media is the devil. All social media is, 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 is the devil. It is. It's just it it's it's destroy it it has absolutely had a detrimental effect, and you would think there are some cool things that that could happen and and there have been, but in the main are we better off or are we worse off? I believe that we're worse off, and there's no doubt that while the algorithm of TikTok certainly better satisfies the need of the uh, user because it is much more direct and focused about the user. The algorithm is also played with by the Communist Party to serve up specific bits of content and information that they want served, and that information can indeed be detrimental. Never mind what it is China can do on a uh, sabotage conversation with the uh, technology that they have access to through the app. Beijing just told you that Apple can't be trusted. I'm pretty sure that we should be reminding Apple that Beijing cannot be trusted because, well, they they can't. They cannot be trusted. And there's this fascinating story about population. As we talk about what's happening in China, remember, China is in 27 levels of, of, of hurt. We see that America's population growth is slowing because there aren't as many births. Part of the reason there aren't as many births is because you have people uh, engaged in social media, engaged in all these other things. I don't have time for relationships. Uh, this, This technology fulfills me. I think that's odd. That technology fulfills 
I don't need a girlfriend. I've got apps. I don't, I don't need a boyfriend. I've got this right here. That is, yeah, that, that, that is not going to work. I, I, I don't see how that works. I don't know where someone thinks there's a value in saying, uh, the last thing in the world I need is human interaction. All I know is producer Jason doesn't like it when I'm not in studio. By the way, I, I think I'm going to start calling you JD. Does anybody call you JD, Jason? Tony, you call me anything you want to call me. Yeah, I'm a- but I'm asking. I mean, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to be rude about it. Does anybody ever call you JD? No, they call me Jason. Do they? Well, most people do, but like I said, you know, you call me whatever you want, Tony. Yeah, but but then it's going to be Jason. It's not going to be producer Jason. Well, there's Jason Hammer here, so it kind of just became yeah, producer but that's, that's Jason. Yeah, that's a radio host uh, uh, at, at, at IBC, but I'm talking about what I, what I want to call you. All right, I'll call you producer. I'm, I'm thinking JD. I don't know. I'll figure it out. That's not the point. As long, as, long as, as Jason Dozier's on the check, Tony, doesn't matter. Oh, hot damn. Well, there it is. As long as daddy <laughs> gets paid, I get it. You need human interaction. And we have a generation that doesn't believe in it. And it's been going this way for a while, I should argue multiple generations, that doesn't believe in human interaction. You take a look at, at birth rates in the U.S. Take a look, Birth rates in Japan, for example. In 1992, it was 1.5. In 2020, it's 1.34. You, you you can't keep a country going if you don't have a population. But there's also the idea of the family uh, in, in, in the conversation of purpose. There is uh, the idea of, of responsibility, of purpose, and purpose is, is very, very important to the soul. And so when you see people of, of a generation, the listless, lost, well, part of it is where's your purpose? And part of it is, well, we beat the purpose out of them because we told every single boy uh, that, that they're toxic. You know, their masculinity is, masculinity is toxic and the way they talk to women is oppressive and they're all, they're all you know, uh, guilty, hashtag me too, and uh, et cetera. They're not guilty. They're not guilty. Uh, don't talk to a woman, uh, or, or or else uh, you're you're being oppressive. You're you're being uh, you're attacking. You're violent. And they're like, okay, I won't. I'll just go online for all my needs, and I'll I'll play video games, and 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 I'll I'll have pizza delivered directly to my basement. It's cool. It's totally cool. And it goes the other way because what we've done to women is told them that all guys are terrible, all guys are rapists, everything a guy does is clearly wrong, and if you even think they've done something wrong, they should be thrown out of college, thrown out of here, fired from there, and everything else. That creates an unhealthy possibility for relationships. It ends the possibility for relationships. So why is America's population growth slowing? Because those who have had the most impact on your kids, culture and academia, has done this to them. Which really does bring us to Taylor Swift. I'm not I'm gonna become an expert at her lyrics. I'm gonna break this down. Culturally, not just Taylor Swift. What is it that we're actually teaching? 
This is Tony Katz today. There are busy news days, and there are slow news days, and everybody knows this, right? It's uh, whether you're in the business, not in the business, you uh, participate in, in talk radio anywhere or read news anywhere. There are, there are heavy, heavy news days and very light news days. And then there are uh, grabbing headlines, and then there's non-headlines. And then, and then there's this. Your car's seatbelt, safety miracle or decapitation nightmare? What is the connection between rain and farming? The answer may surprise you. Heroin, sex, machine guns, flamethrowers, murder. There's no story here. We've just found that ratings go up when we say those words. It's time for the worst headline of the day. Delta flight forced to turn around because of passengers' explosive diarrhea. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I have to tell you the story. I'm sorry it happened for people on a flight from Atlanta to Barcelona. I'm sorry that any of us have to deal with any of this. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. I must tell you, I don't remember as a kid hearing any story like this. Now, maybe because of social media and other media, we hear every story everywhere. It was an Airbus A350 that had to turn around because the passenger was having a problem and didn't have the problem in the bathroom. Oh, no, 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 no. Had the problem all over the plane, like 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 through the aisles. Like there are pictures now and videos now it's not good. They might as well just burn the plane to the ground. Burn. Just, nobody wants to be on this plane. The flight was delayed just over eight hours. I don't have the story on whether or not they actually put people on a new plane. I mean, it's just, it's just a horror story. That you had to be on a plane at all that had to turn around, that stinks, right? That you had to be on a plane to turn around. But that you had to be on a plane that had to turn around with this, literally in the aisles. I don't know how that happens. And, and you know that I'm somebody who is insane about air travel. Uh, so so uh, two things. Number one. I am disgusted by how how people dress on planes. Uh, I I wear a suit. Uh, Fly with me. Fly with me. Come fly. Let's fly away. Uh, I wear a suit on on a plane. Always. Doesn't matter where I'm going. I wear a suit. Now, true, I don't wear a tie. But I always wear a suit on a plane. I believe that you should respect the other passengers around you. I believe that you should dress up for, for, for a flight like you should dress up for theater. And if you're wearing shorts and a, and a, and a tank top on a flight or, or for live theater, you're just terrible. Well, Tony, I like to be comfortable. That's your problem. You want to be comfortable? Stay home. You want to wear a thong or, or, or you know, not, not a thong, it's thong well you can see the thong through the tights through the yoga pants that's see how that see how that came together wearing yoga pants on a plane wearing tank tops on a plane wearing flip-flops on a plane you're just wrong 
There should be standards, and the standards should be set. But the standards seem to only go one way, and agreed, I'm having a conversation about standards of the airline passenger. But I need to get into conversations about standards by those people who run the airlines, because there seem to be no standards, except for we can create arbitrary rules when we see fit. So this story about this person who had this uh, gastrointestinal disaster on a plane. You know, this isn't the only one that happened this summer. There was an Air Canada flight. Two passengers were told they had to sit in seats that weren't cleaned after they were covered. Okay. I just dawned on me that I didn't warn anybody about the material I was going to get into before talking about it. And for that, I apologize. I, I did not give a warning. I did not give a, a, a warning there, uh, Producer Jason. Uh, who um, I think I'm just going to start calling you JD, like I said. I, I think it's going to be it. I should have given a warning. I apologize. So uh, let me just say now, um, I, uh, th- this is about to get really gross. Tony, you're talking about somebody who had explosive diarrhea and now it's going to get really gross. This is going to get super, super, super gross. Ah! Exactly. These two people on an Air Canada flight were told to sit in seats that were not properly cleaned and that had been, and I'm quoting here from CBS News, (sighs) covered in vomit on a previous flight. It was between Las Vegas and Montreal on August 26th. Before that, June 30th, ah, Paris to Toronto. What is France, uh, Canada? I don't know what's happening here. A uh, traveler on an Air France flight from Paris to Toronto found his seat's footwell, right where you rest your feet, still wet. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to. Oh, God. What has happened to this show? I do it because this is the news, people. I'm trying to share with you the story. Uh, The footwell was still wet with the previous passenger's blood and diarrhea. Now, I believe that passengers have to be held to a standard. And there are things that are happening on planes that I simply cannot begin to understand. I don't know how any of this happens. Look, someone being ill, like like sick and, and, and throwing up on a plane. Yeah, I, of course, you've, you've had the bags there for forever. People, there be turbulence. People can get air sickness. The, these kinds of, of, of things. But I don't recall... In my, in my youth and and in adulthood, the idea that things weren't cleaned, and certainly, I I don't understand how blood is coming into anything. I, I coming coming to the picture. How is it? How is that a story? There is something very odd about the passenger today, and their preparation, or I should say, lack of preparation for getting on a flight. Just like we see with the fights, with the fights that we see 
uh, on 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 planes. The, the the passenger is ill-equipped to deal with what's going on, and there are without doubts reasons where planes should say, airlines should say, you are no longer welcome, and they should be banned from air travel. I don't want to negotiate with them. I want them gone. But in the same way, I am not interested in the passenger having to negotiate with the airline. What do you mean you didn't clean the the seats properly after somebody was was uh, ill in that seat? I'm not saying that someone can't get ill on a plane. It can happen. I am saying, what do you mean you didn't properly clean it, properly sanitize it, properly dry it, get it all ready to go? Let me ask you, Delta, United, Frontier, Southwest, American, JetBlue, pick your airline. Spirit, what are you doing that you're so busy that you didn't do this? What exactly are you doing that not cleaning the seat properly was somewhere on the list? Oh, well, we couldn't get to that. You couldn't get to that. That was the only thing you had to get to. How could you not get to that? Why is it that the experience of the traveler means so little to you? And part of the problem is is that the traveler has such few rights. This is evidenced by the TSA, where I believe all of these problems start. The Transportation Safety Administration, actually it's the Transportation Security Administration, they start with a premise. You, the traveler, are the problem. They don't treat you like a customer. They don't treat you like a citizen. They treat you like a problem. From the moment you get to an airport to the moment you leave, it is the barking of orders. It is a nastiness. It is a do this. It is a do that. Move this. Push that. Grab this. Take your shoes off. Don't take your shoes off. Take your laptop out. You don't have to take your laptop out. Why don't you listen? You move over here. You over there. It's just flat out nasty. And trust me, it's super weird when I have these conversations and then I have to fly and there are people who are TSA uh, in Indianapolis uh, in the airport and they're like, hey, love the show. And I'm like, oh, oh, I know I'm getting a search. I, I know I'm getting the extra pat down today. You know it's coming. I know it's coming. There's no question that it's going to happen. The TSA treats the passenger, the citizen, poorly. And they are entitled to do it, and there is no recourse. As a matter of fact, there are signs that are up in airports. You cannot raise your voice. You cannot belittle. You cannot do this, do that to a TSA agent. It's a fine in jail. They can do anything. They are rude. Not everyone, but far too many, they're rude. They are not decent. They show no respect for the citizen, for the passenger. And I believe that the anger, the frustration, the angst starts there. Now, it can equally be said that it starts with an airline that wants to charge you for the extra bag and charge you if you're a pound over and then charge you for an actual seat, charge you for this and that and the other. 
The system, while I really have no issue booking uh, airline travel, seems to be difficult for a great number of people. And the reason that it's difficult is that you charge us more and more and you give us less and less. But the one thing we should be entitled to when we purchase a seat is the use of the seat without vomit. And if you can't do that, can I ask what the hell it is you do? Now, when, when Pete Buttigieg the Secretary of Transportation, uh, tries to get tough with airlines. I, I, I laugh because there is nobody who is less tough in the world than Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> That's his actual laugh, by the way, on just on a loop. But I think it's okay to ask the airlines, who the hell are you? I don't want to see airlines brought before Congress and asked tough questions that aren't actually tough just to have some member of Congress engage in some soliloquy uh, uh, to, to use in a, in a campaign slogan. What I want to see is the unity of Republicans and Democrats saying we're not funding this anymore. No, no more bailouts. Goodbye. Gone. See ya. You got to start treating uh, customers better. Part of the problem is I, I, like I can't go to another airline because they're all treating the customer like garbage. Everyone seems to treat the customer like garbage, and I don't know why this has become acceptable. Air travel has become a horrific experience. And the airline is like, eh, whatever. So much so that they can't clean up the vomit. What were they doing? What were, the, what were the airline employees doing that they were so busy that that didn't matter? And why, should, why would anybody sit there? Well, they have to sit there because they have to get home, right? They have to get to the next place. They have to get to the thing. They have to get to the event. They have to get to the vacation. They have to get back. They have to get to work. They have to get to see their parents, whatever it is. So they are, they are mentally captive because they have to get the thing done. So they're willing to suffer indignities to get the thing done. This goes back to the passenger. Maybe you don't actually have to get that thing done. Maybe there has to be more emphasis put on the rights of of the people. Maybe that has to come from Congress by saying, we're not going to fund you anymore. No more bailouts. Goodbye. Maybe this has to come from somebody organizing 5, 10, 50,000 people to walk to the offices of United and say, be better at your job. When you see how poorly the airlines and the TSA treats the passenger, maybe there's no wonder that the passenger is treating, well, everyone so poorly, so incapable of handling themselves. Now, maybe that doesn't explain why somebody would have something explosive up and down the aisles of a flight. But it would explain why people spend less time caring about what happens on the flight. People don't care because they've been told not to care, taught not to care, and they've been punished for voicing their concerns. Punished by the airlines, punished by the TSA. We have to figure out how we start punishing those people who allow that to happen. And I can fix the TSA by getting rid of the TSA. I can fix the TSA. Change who you vote for and demand changes to this terrible organization that is abusive to the citizen. 
The airlines, I mean, you just got to pick one. You're going to have to Bud Light it. Maybe get the other people in line. We'll continue the conversation. I'm Tony Katz. I'm no fan of the Proud Boys, and I would be willing to bet cash money that they're no fan of mine. And I understand that people who engage in a riot may have to engage some criminal charges. They might have to do some time. But this former leader of the Proud Boys gets 22 years. 22 years? No one from Antifa goes to jail. No one from Black Lives Matter. All the violence that was committed, all the destruction all across the country. No one goes to jail. 22 years? That, that seems certifiable to me. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. I'm just saying that wrong is wrong is wrong across the board. And the only thing I've ever asked for is a, a, a commitment to a standard, which doesn't exist. And that lack of standard in terms of the application of the law is what's destroying the country. Part of. But this was great. This was MAGA originalist on Twitter. Reading about these insane J6 sentences today, all I can think of is how crucial the 2024 election is. Every effort and dollar should be put towards winning it to free these people. I really don't know how Ron DeSantis sleeps at night with this selfish and disgraceful decision to burn hundreds of millions of dollars instead of donating them for the country. Does he not have any conscience? This is treason, by the way. Spinning sentences from January 6th to attack Ron DeSantis. Now that's certifiable. I mean, I mean that's just ridiculous. That's world-class, pathetic, ridiculous, maddening spin. This is Tony Katz today.